0: Hello, this is Annie Catherine, host of the multi-award-winning podcast, Soulful Series. Thank you for joining me as I chat with award-winning authors who have written a memoir or non-fiction motivational book and have an uplifting message to share. Hello, everyone. I am here with Acharya Shunya to talk about her book, Roar Like a
1: Goddess. Thank you, Shunya, for being here. Thank you, Annie, for having me. It is such a delight.
0: I am so excited to talk to you about your book. There are so many nuggets of wisdom in here. As you can see, I marked your book up. (laughs) So I wanted to just jump right in and
1: tell us what inspired you to write this. What inspired me was that it was time. It was time I called a spade a spade. And though I personally have had a mostly and a privileged life, a comfortable life, there have been times where I have felt unwanted, rejected, secondary, invisible, just because of who I am, a woman. And I wanted to address that because I was not willing to be that person that, that a belief system has decided my position in society. And, um, and when I had that happen in my life, when I walked into an arranged marriage where I felt like I was good, but not good enough, wanted, but not wanted enough, liked, but not liked enough because I was not towing the line, I felt angry initially but that anger then morphed into a purpose.
0: Yeah. And
1: and the purpose was really radical self-love, radical self-acceptance. And then I thought like three decades ago when I moved to the U.S., um, I would find like a much more open atmosphere. Well, guess what? Every arena of the planet has something called patriarchy Yes, in the air we breathe. And I found it coming at me in different ways. So then I wanted to write a beautiful, soft book reminding us women of our power, our wisdom, and our birthright. And that's how I wrote Grow Like a Goddess.
0: Well, it's a beautiful book. And I think every woman will be able to relate to it because we are all part of this consciousness, this belief system. That you've picked up on, and this is a necessary read. And I I loved it. And um, I think you are right on with it. And it, you write what you know, and you went through it, and you wrote about it to help others. And that is significant and incredible. So let's talk about the title, Roar Like a Goddess and also the cover. I just, I love the colors too.
1: Well, the colors were chosen by my awesome, well-known distinguished publisher, Tammy Simon from Sounds True, whose Insights at the Edge is, a, you know, an institution um, in terms of a podcast. But um, the art is from Humi Charles. He's a sacred artist. A renowned sacred artist who channels the goddess before he makes those that artwork happen. He he makes larger than life art, really. And so I feel the book has been blessed by his presence and contribution. And then finally, I wanted to call it aurora because aurora is compared to owning your voice, and in the just like in the animal jungle, aurora is definitive. It's authoritative. It represents autonomy and authenticity. Like Aurora is not apologetic. It's not a meow or anything like that. It's it is a roar, and it doesn't say sorry. I'm apologetic for owning all this power and thunder and lightning in my being. So I compared roar to, uh, to the voice that we women and all feminine gender identified beings, and in fact any gender person was ever been disempowered for any reason or marginalized for societal, historical, social, racial reasons, needs to now align with their inner roar. A roar is not shouting, yelling, screaming. A roar is that uh, inviolable um, self-esteem and self-conviction. And I compare that, I also have goddess in the title because I have used... Uh, I really want us to align with our inner goddess like self. So the self has been compared to the goddess. And and I've also used some ancient archetypes. And I have pointed out ancient goddesses from my tradition in India and also modern goddesses in the modern world from senators to activists to just, you know, to just voices of women who have been echoing and, bringing us to this place where I can even write this book without my head being cut off or me being burned at the stake for being a witch, you know? Um, Yeah. So Roar felt very right. It it does. And I want to
0: show, well, I wanted to look at this cover one more time. So the artist channels, er, you know, praise beforehand and channels the vision before he creates it and that is wow, that is a blessing. And like you said, that is and the whole I love the idea of the goddess. Uh I there there's a part in your book where you talk about sitting on a lion and and just like having that vision of you and yourself before you go into something. Have yourself sitting on a lion and roaring before a situation. And I think that's very powerful. Just it it brings in that your confidence. And I I really love that part. So um, can you talk about the market for your book and how it's different
1: from others out there? There is a, there is an inbuilt market for books that empower women and feminine gender-identified beings. But this is a unique book because it's not just about what's not right with us and the world. Like, you know, why we're not just victims who are calling, calling out what's wrong with us about the atrocities and the injustice or the kind of subtle dismissal. This is a book about what's awesomely right about us. What can we do, and how can we access that goddess-like shakti or power, and courage, and um, ability to face our own wounding, and and even enjoy unapologetic pleasure? It brings. It it's it it juxtaposes. The contemporary issues like the Me Too movement and whatnot were these ancient, uh, eternal goddess archetypes, which are not just Hindu, but really universal. Because mm-hmm. Durga is the name. Durga literally is means the obstacle remover. And there is a Durga within each one of us. And she should come out before we experience abuse and not yes. just after. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. she can instill boundaries. She can help us not follow scripts and become our own role model. So our Lakshmi is not just the name of a Hindu goddess in the Hindu heaven. She, uh, she, Her name literally represents the one who helps us achieve our goals. Yes. So, and Saraswati literally means the flowing one. And there is a flowing consciousness within us that moves on, that yes. that does not stop until it merges into the ocean like a river. And I wanted to bring these archetypes alive in all women worldwide, not just the Indian women. And Indian women need reminders too, because we either dismiss the goddesses or we make them airy-fairy, like, you know, some some version of it, or we put them up on an altar and we feel like we're way down here. Yes. In my book, I bring the goddesses a few notches down to become real and vulnerable. And I take us humans, our women, women consciousness, a few notches up to be more enlightened and invisible. So we have a union here in this book. Yeah. We're not forever feeling small and broken. And there's the so perfect. And so which all we can do is worship them. Well, yes. we could channel them in on our dates, you know, Friday night, Saturday evening date. We could be, taking the inner goddess roaring one to our PTA meeting. We could take it to our, to our boss when we asked for a raise. So wanted yes. to play with the goddesses because that's how I live and that's how my students worldwide are now using these teachings that I have been giving out verbally for a long time. And I'm seeing all that transformation and empowerment. So it was time to put it in a book and let the whole world have it.
0: Yes, I love that. It's about stepping into your own power with the aid of the goddesses that you can have in your inside of you and have it come out. And I just love that concept. So what talk about the three goddesses that are portrayed in your book and why you chose these particular ones.
1: Because there are many goddesses. There are many goddesses, but uh, Durga, Lakshmi, and Saraswati are often considered the chief goddesses. I've also talked about Kali and Parvati. These are another two goddesses, so in total five, really. But they all are representations of that one Shakti, one feminine power. This is a non-dual paradigm. In Hinduism, there may be many gods and goddesses, but it's not because they're confused, it's because it's inclusive. We don't know who is who got that great godness or not. So we have humans, animals, trees, plants, lizards, birds, everything is God. And we have these this freedom to experience that God consciousness in different body types, male, female, and even mixed gender, which is really ahead of its time and progressive and inclusive. And amongst all this cluster of gods and goddesses, Durga, Lakshmi, Saraswati really stand out. They are called the mother goddesses. And Durga is the goddess that imparts us the first set of values and attitudes which to, to become safe in the world. And so she gives us fearlessness, power, courage, radical self-acceptance, and the daredevilness even to be who we want to be and to... As as the Divine Mother made us, you know, and then uh, if we become safe, we want to play now. And Lakshmi is the goddess who gives us our right and our blessings to enjoy pleasure, sexual, sensual, and she also gives us prosperity. And she teaches us in this book that the way to pleasure and prosperity is um, is highlighted, or if the doorway is self value. And I even have her mythology in which she felt a bit invisible once and how she chose to become visible to herself. And that is why she's the goddess of abundance. Not because she's giving others gifts because she knows she is a gift. And so it opens these doorways to abundance and to prosperity and to pleasure. So it's not just about worshipping the goddess for a couple of extra dollars in your bank to show up magically. (laughs) it's really about being that Lakshmi when you walk in for a raise or you value yourself as a homemaker who may not be bringing a paycheck home but you know that your very breath your very presence is allowing this home to be abundant and beautiful Mm -hmm. and finally Saraswati is the goddess of intuition wisdom higher knowing meditation contemplation and I bet She's the one you and I channel as we speak and talk and, you know, our listeners are channeling. Like, we want to know more. We want to yes. connect with something extra. We don't want to just tune ourselves and our consciousness out by watching endless TV or Netflix or something. I mean, those can we can go to those places for recreation. But there is something yes. more we want to do. Dig deeper until we reach our goddesshood, our true yeah. And so Saraswati is that person. But then I, I, I showed how Saraswati too dealt with some um, trauma in her relationship, in her own mythology. And how did yeah. she deal with it? And so Durga never entered a relationship. She is kind of the single goddess gal roaming the universe, being who she wants to be. So she's a great role model for women who are not paired up or who are spinsters or divorcees or single moms. Like just, just being so complete in herself as she is without needing a partner. Yeah. Lakshmi um, chose a, a different partner to, to, to really represent the value that she held for herself. So she left mm-hmm. one to choose another. And in Saraswati's case, she stays on in that same relationship, but on her own terms. She then renegotiates new agreements. And I thought, gosh, this is just like what we modern women need to know. These are perfect examples of like contemporary relationships with with so much consciousness, not tragedy, not sorrow, not shame, not blame, but with pride and with presence. And that is something
0: yes the goddesses you represent in your book are the are perfect and can be used in different situations and I love how you pointed that out if you're going to ask for a raise then you channel Lakshmi and you just and it's just amazing and I I need to go back and start channeling the goddesses in different situations in my own life now that I've read it. Okay, so you use myths in your book. What, why did you choose to, to use this type of storytelling?
1: Because the storytelling is magical, because mythology is eternal. Because mythology, whether it's Greek or Hindu or Native American, it, 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 it's always symbolic of the eternal tussle between dark and light forces. It is an eternal representation of the environment in our own consciousness. And Hindu mythology or the goddess mythology is all about these these dark forces outside us in the form of people, circumstances, or, or even in us like those thoughts which pull us down, self-doubt, self-deprecation, self-estrangement, self-abandonment, you're a loser, you're a bad person, you're a slut, all those things that happen within us. Those those are the dark forces known as asura in Sanskrit. And then there are those light chasers, the people like our friends out there who got our back, those guides, teachers, gurus, who teach us something really worthy. And those good thoughts within us which say, wait, don't give up on yourself. And the goddess emerges through a tussle of that and as the light wins over darkness. And she supports the light and she annihilates the darkness. So she's shown like literally murdering a dark, dark, demonic person outside, but it really represents annihilating the the suffocating darkness within us to ascend. So mythology is something I grew up with. My mother would tell these stories at bedtime. And I'm not sure if she made the best parenting choice because it made me more revved up and more excited. And i would be roaring like a little girl. And it was, it, it wouldn't put me really to bed and she'd be asleep. And I'd still be thinking about those goddess battles where she's victorious but you know what I think she was doing something on purpose because she didn't live for very long she left me when i was only 10 you know she yeah. she transitioned from her body but she encoded in my dna these battles between dark and light and and i knew that darkness exists and it's vicious and it's out there and it's inside me but i got to hold on to my that light like i am enough that's a light thought or I'm worthy as I am, or I'm divine mother's daughter, child, and I'm perfect as I am, broken and scarred, but I'm good, I'm whole. This this paradigm stayed within me and I used it when I went into depression and self abandonment after my marriage broke down, after I after I inhaled the patriarchal sentiment of if a marriage falls apart, it's mainly a woman's fault. She couldn't keep her man or she couldn't be good enough to keep a man. And 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 I used that same mythology. It came up, it wouldn't allow me to sink. I'm saying I was depressed, but you know, I've touched the bottom, but barely, because I kept rising even through that darkness. I was like, wow. I was in my own mythology now. And I was like, wow. I'm face to face with the darkness demon. Wow, this is what it looks like, feels like. And, and now what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to just remember Durga and that the distance between her and me is barely there. She's right in my heart. And gradually my Shakti, my power returned so much that now I'm a world leader for people and for people who are in the darkness. And so I think mythology is eternal and we should spend some time with these ancient stories that have been on the planet. Yes.
0: Your mother left you with a beautiful gift when she, before she transitioned. These are stories you've carried with you and they've helped you thrive in circumstances and now you're sharing them with the world like you said and this is this is a sort of an awakening and an and an enlightenment and i applaud you for having the courage to share this with with the world
1: it took some courage and i think she as in the capital she gave it to me the divine yeah. Feminine Goddess, because um, the goddess mythology and practices were part of my life. And I had planned to write a book on her, um, but maybe a few years out. And then last year, during a goddess festival that I celebrate online with seekers worldwide, like it was just another thing I was doing with my students. During that nine-day festival, I suddenly had this impulse to speak for her, from her yeah. to her, yes. in, who's sitting in every heart. And I started a new page on my laptop and the rest is history. And now I'm on mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on different, you know, media and podcasts and you know, published media talking yes. about her. So there is an urgency yes. for people to hear this this message, this uplifting message, but it's not just uplifting. It gives tools and it's a transmission because you did it once. I don't know if you experienced it. You can't not know it now. Like it changes your neurology. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. It definitely does.
0: So in your book, you talk about self-respect, self-worth, self-care, can you talk a little bit about this and how these relate to our inner goddess?
1: We all want to self love and you know self love is a popular topic to blog and write about, but I think the most cardinal value is self respect because if you don't respect yourself like thunder and lightning, and like flowers and butterflies do themselves, they protect themselves they respect themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's not possibility for love. And then there is no possibility for care. So I wanted to go back to the fundamental understanding of why we deserve self-respect, how every blade of grass deserves self-respect in this magical divine feminine planet, which is, you know, emerged from divine mother's womb and why you are a candidate for self-respect, even if you've made like a billion mistakes. Because I used to get into this guilt and shame mode until my devotion to the divine became so deep, and I realized that if I've made a mistake, 50% is mine, but 50% is my creator. Yeah. You know, who chose to give me this thinking apparatus or this ability to even make a mistake. And so I started partnering with Divine Mother, the goddess at every level. And I started like um, hugging myself and loving myself through this. And I taught this to my students too, and they started growing in their inherent self-respect, inviolable, unquestionable. Yes. And yes. Um, I have I have talked to prisoners. I have taught at places where people have you know committed the most heinous crime, and I have told them that they're worthy of respect. Yes. Because not every part of them was doing that. There was this last part, but they need to respect their journey. Yes. That has brought them even to this moment where they're listening to me. And as your self-respect is restored and then through the mythology and the storytelling and the empowered goddess type so that your DNA changes. It's not just something you exercise from your ego oh, I think I'm going to exercise self-respect today and right now I'm just a little lazy so I let my standards slide. It's not that, right? It's it's full on all the time, on, on, on. It's never yes. off. And so once self-respect is in place, which the Durga section of my book will ensure, then the Lakshmi section is part two and that starts helping us self-love because she's the goddess of self-love. And self-love means then self-care is really an extension of self-respect and self-love, which can then be a physical self-care or an emotional self-care or a a, you know even a social self-care in terms of being with people who are not toxic and spending more time with mother nature and with people who are representatives of light, the devas. And so I wanted to bring this out. I'm glad you picked up on it. It's not like I've given it as a specific chapter, but how intuitive of you to pick up those main themes that I'm teaching. Yeah. Because self-care then represented by Saraswati is including all the way to trauma care and how she then faced her trauma to, to, to then her flow had become arrested to keep flowing and so to yeah. keep flowing in your own bigness, in your own beauty, in your own creativity is a kind of self-care. Self-care can be drinking a noble tea or putting a face back. And I teach that too in my book, I with Lifestyle Wisdom. But it's also about really leading the life that you were mentally. Why were you and I and our listeners born? Let's just take a moment to take a breath not just to play the roles that we are playing, but to be the soul that we are. And there is a song that is unsung in each one of us. And to sing that song is akin to self-care and roaring, in my opinion.
0: Yes. So I love the whole note, all of these concepts, but what would you say self-respect looks like in a person? Like, how, how do you know that someone is self-respecting themselves? Or how do they identify it in themselves?
1: Yeah, it's a nuanced topic. I go into it in great details. But for now, I can say that they never give up on themselves. They never bark words to themselves internally, which are shaming or damning there is there is a recognition that I could have said this differently or done this better or not walked out in this marriage or not married this person too quickly. So there is a recognition or some remorse to some things we may have not we could have done differently. But that remorse is healthy, it is informative, it is instructional for next time, there is some grief. Even there may be some anger with oneself, but ultimately there is this respect which allows us to not damn ourselves and not abuse ourselves through substances or through unsafe sex or through other kinds of violent behavior that's either internalized and it destroys us and gives us disease or it's externalized and puts us in even more uncomfortable or even punitive situations. Respect is somewhere where we respect our own journey as a learning, fumbling, growing actor on the world stage who didn't really get their script. It's like you and I and all of us were thrown onto the world stage and said, you go figure out what your lines are. And we're like saying, okay. Um, you know, we're being Pinocchios and we're being Humpty Dumptys and and we don't know. And so there's a part of me that that respect then brings compassion for that part of you. And it brings um it brings gratitude for the learning and the opportunity. So respect is again, we go back to the triangle of respect, care and love, then respect includes some care for yourself during your most um embarrassing moments and love yeah. for yourself despite those faux pas that you may have been making. Yes.
0: Yeah. That's a wonderful description of self respect. It's it's having compassion for yourself and because you aren't perfect, but you can learn and embrace what, what you're going through at the time, and that is self-respect. I love that. So we talked a little bit about who will benefit from this book, but do you have um, a targeted market where who would benefit most from Roar Like a Goddess?
1: In today's world, it's often good to not have a target market, so your books sell more. Yeah. I insisted upon having a target market, which are women who yes. have uh, the same biology as I have and probably the same challenges. And now that I have been living outside India and I've been a teacher for students worldwide, I realize that whether you're an Arabic woman or an African woman or a Chinese or an Indian or an American or a Japanese or from Puerto Rico, we all seem to have certain commonalities of experience good but a lot of it is in the shadow and and we tend to be historically coping with it stoic with it um, courageous with it but we are all tending to um, overcompensate even in our success we're overcompensating so we're either overachieving or underachieving. so There's something just, there, there's just not that naturalness is absent because we're on a hostile planet and we know that. Like hostility is there to our gender. So I wanted to write to women because so I wanted to have the comfort of just talking to more women like me who might walk into a marriage where they think they're going to be loved and they are for a while, but then They're being picked at for, you know, not cleaning the house enough or not, you know, for doing everything, for bringing home money and raising the kids. I just wanted to have some common conversations, like, or how, like, the Me Too movement triggered something like, why do we have a Me Too movement? Because of this tendency to be silent. And then it took us years to break that silence. And that became historic in itself. But I wish... There were teachings which told us to not be silent and to discern when to be silent, when silence is God, and when it's not, when it's the devil, and when do we do what? So I wanted to talk to women and women of every age are my target audience. I especially hope that women who read it then gift it to their growing nieces and daughters and daughter-in-laws who they meet, future ones, because I think... It's it's not just teaching a woman to be, if I may use an American slang, badass. It is teaching yeah. women to be discerning, to know when when is what is appropriate, because Lakshmi is the goddess of everything beautiful and sensual and gentle and love. And it's yeah. part of our nature to be giving and to be generous and to be kind. And I don't want to stop that. I'm a very warm person, and I'm not going to stop being warm just because I've now written a feminist book. I'm just going to be that. I'm a caretaker. Yes. Hell, I've rescued so many dogs, I can't even count on my fingers. <laughs> you, 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 that's who I am. You can't stop a rose from being a rose. It's going to be a rose. And that's who I am as a woman. But I yes. wanna be a smarter woman. I wanna be a rose who knows how to use her thorns too. When yes. need be. Yeah I have aroma, I have beauty, and hello world. I got thorns. That <laughs> is the complete woman. That yes. is a roaring goddess. Yes. And and that's why I wrote it for women. But obviously yes. my book extends to everyone who identifies as a woman. Who is in that space as a woman in um, non-binary gendered relationships, and then mm-hmm. you know because this just it's a truth that anybody can be disempowered, and we have a lot of disempowered communities due to their sexual preference, gender identity, or race, color, religion, and naturally, it's it doesn't say it in the title, but I repeat myself again and again in the book that this book is really for anyone who's feeling like I have to change my DNA I have to stop buying into this disempowerment stuff it's not just about how to push away the people who are abusing you but it's about how to become unabusable
0: yeah
1: I should have titled this book unabusable
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's a great title too So yeah, thank you for explaining all of that. I I resonate with embracing our femininity. You know, for so long, you have go over this in the book. You say that it's 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 looked down upon to to be vulnerable, but it's p- part of being a woman. You have the soft side, and and you you shouldn't have to hide any part of. And I love that about your book.
1: Yeah, I don't. I want to do my womaning bit. I don't want to do my manning just to just to justify my womaning. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm gonna be a woman all the way from birth to death. Yeah. And but I'm gonna be a woman who is sovereign. And that's the title of my other book, Sovereign Self. So okay. I want to be emotionally sovereign. Yeah. yeah. Yes so if you had
0: one thing you would like or a couple of things you would like readers to take away from your book what would it be
1: i think a really important piece of a takeaway that i would like them to work with is to know that there is an invisible divine feminine dimension it can come to you in any form it The the Hindu goddess archetypes are one form, but you can look at her as Mother Mary or any other saint that you are comfortable with and then try and embody their traits, try and use archetypes, like try and have role models because we women tend to walk around like orphans and then the only role models we have in media who have the big bus and the small waist and you know larger than life relationships and we don't have role models and i and and if my book is comfortable to you then you don't have to change your religion you just you'll just be asked to reconsider your beliefs to to embody the inner durga inner lakshmi inner saraswati so that you can be courageous um, pleasured and self-caring and ultimately flowing and uh, you know intuitive in the process of being a woman on this planet. Yeah. And in this book, a second takeaway is we're not trying to damn the men. Because how would be so unfortunate to now create another, you know, another gender that is suffering. But we are just trying to take away any damnation that we have inhaled from within the internalized patriarchy and misogyny is the problem. And, People like me who grew up in a progressive family or who have been trained in the Western world and the Indian world to be on the top of the chain of, you know, status or whatever, we can think, oh, we're done. We don't have this issue, but we do. And we're facing it. And our daughters and daughter-in-laws and our sisters are facing it somewhere. So we're not done. So the takeaway is dare to look deep, read the book and see if any part of you uh, is listening deeply inside. And it might be, if you're open, you're going to change just through the reading. Like you, you have inflammation and you take a medicine to reduce pain. So you need an herb or a medicine to calm that pain. When you have wrong beliefs, you need the right beliefs to enter you. And that's the medicine. Yes. The book is a medicine to any internalized disempowering beliefs. So the takeaway is don't give up. Yeah, Maybe Divine Mother has chosen for you to read this, to hear about this on this beautiful, soulful podcast, and then to read this book. And um, the rest will be history. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh,
0: Those are great takeaways. And you said them so beautifully. So where can readers find more about you and
1: your work i have an easy to remember website it is called awakenedself.com awakened mm-hmm. not awakening awakenedself.com mm-hmm. uh, i'm sure you'll put my name there so you can also go to acharyashunya.com just my name my title and my name.com and if you want to study with me and stuff and take my courses or join an upcoming retreat um, book launch and all of that, then you can join me on com. Either way, whichever website you land on, you'll be led into engaging with my book, my teachings, and just me directly. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. And where can people find Roar Like a Goddess?
1: Everywhere. Yay. The book my publishers decided deserved to be released on the same day, which was on September 6th, 2022, um, worldwide. And wherever you hang to buy books, online or physically, the book is there.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you for
1: chatting with
0: me this morning.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. Soulful Series is hosted by me, Annie Catherine. Soulful Series is a Vienna Studios production produced by Vanessa Ferlino. Music by Vanessa Ferlino. Catch you next time. Part of the ACAST community.